Hello, Linsiders! How are you all doing? Today it is Thursday, June 10th, 2021. It's funny how it seems like the first half of the year is just flying by. I wish that we, we didn't have this weird state of affairs right now, but you know, we must make do with the best we have. So this week, I don't have a guest. I know that might be disappointing for some of y'all, but it gives me time to try something different. And I want to experiment with something here this week that I want to use it as a testing ground for a idea that I have for season two of The Linsider. So my plan is probably with another one or two interviews, I'm going to end this first season take likely a couple months off in the fall sometime, probably August or September, I will then release uh, season two. And season two, I have some ideas that I'm going to brainstorm. And it will be a little bit different. So I'm going to record this and see what you all think and see what kind of responses that I get. And... So here we go. I guess, first of all, you know, I'm going to go away from entertainment just a second. And I wanted to just get this out there and see, share some of the things that I've done during COVID, you know, during this last 15 months or so, and see how that resonates with you all and see if you guys have any thoughts to share with me. So what I wanted to discuss in terms of COVID is I wanted to discuss a productive side of that. I wanted to discuss any COVID skills. And so for me, during the last 15 months, some of the COVID skills that I picked up are, first of all, I will say I picked up cooking. So how I, I've always cooked a little bit, but very minimally, and I don't like fussing with making plating look nice for Instagram or anything like that. I don't really like setting the table. Maybe that has to do with my upbringing, right? My family, we didn't do any of that. We just ate really good, high-quality food, and that's what I wanted to learn. So during COVID, I learned how to make basically my favorite simple dishes. And I learned it on YouTube. I think YouTube is amazing because I don't like reading recipes because reading that description can mean, you know, 10 different things to 10 different people. But in watching something on YouTube, it's very specific. And so, you know, what I'll do is, for example, I love fried chicken and I'll go on YouTube and I will just watch, you know, four to five different fried chicken videos and see which ones I really like. And I'll take from each what I think would be really delicious and then try that. And I always also then add some of my own knowledge. Like I add some Chinese flavors or Asian flavors. Like I did this fried chicken and as part of the batter, I put in some yuzu. It was this yuzu that I got at a Japanese store and I love yuzu, yuzu pepper especially. 
and it tasted amazing. You could just taste a very slight hint of it. So that's what I've been doing. That's one thing, cooking, and cooking extends to baking. Before COVID, I never really turned on my oven except to bake cookies. And, you know, now I've tried other things like cheesecakes, banana bread. A few other things are I learned how to paint. So this is something that I kind of caught me by surprise, but I went to a painting class with a friend who is very skilled at painting, um, actually an artist, and I was able to paint and it was really fun and something unexpected. What I painted doesn't look amazing, but looks okay enough. And it was very relaxing and just jogged a different side of the brain. And so I might do more of it because I live actually right next to a paint studio. And so I'll try that. Another thing I tried was home workouts. And now that I've done home workouts, I found work of fitness influencers on YouTube, on Instagram. YouTube is actually my favorite. I'm going to link to some of my favorite YouTube fitness classes. And it's just been amazing. So I don't have to get in a car. I don't have to travel somewhere. If I want to do a 45 minute workout, it's a 45 minute workout. I don't have to add on, you know, 20 minutes of driving each way. And it's been pretty awesome. And I am pretty happy with it. I think as things get back to normal, maybe I'll go to the gym for weights, but not that often. And maybe I'll go take a group fitness class, but not that often either. There are some things to be said about that live experience because I, I believe I push myself harder, but I think I do pretty good about 80% of the time. I will say in terms of skills that I wanted to pick up that I still need to work at is gardening. So I really wanted to learn how to, you know, grow some flowers, grow some succulents, have an herb garden, and I've just not fully gotten into it. I've tried to grow some things, but they did not work, and I felt lazy about doing it. So I got to work on that. So it's not been all home runs, you know? And I guess lastly, I did podcasting. And this is where I'll spend some time to talk about the podcasting. I've been thinking about podcasting for a while, and I didn't know exactly how to do it. And it felt, it felt daunting, right? And I was also debating whether I wanted to do a scripted podcast or unscripted podcast, like in an interview show that I basically do now. But I thought maybe it'd be better to do a scripted podcast because that aligns more with what I want to do as a producer, right? So I could test out and develop some of the stories that I want to see in a podcast. But then I would have to script it out. I would have to put some music into it. I would have to find actors or act. I would have to edit. I have to think about the sound effects, all these things and editing is also a big thing. And I just didn't, it seemed daunting. And so I thought of, let's just do the, basically the minimum viable product. And this is where I learned some concepts from the tech world and just iterate, get something out in the, in public, release it and iterate. And so that's basically what I'm doing now. And I set some pretty, I would say achievable 
and maybe very low goals, right? My goal in the beginning was just to have my friends on the podcast and have a discussion with them. And from episode one with Kenny, Kenny Liu, I felt that I exceeded my expectations. And in some way that motivated me to go further because I was so surprised about just the level of storytelling and response that I got from that first episode. And that was just me doing very basic things to figure out how to get a podcast out in the world. And it made me also realize that maybe sometimes, maybe a lot of the times I overthink things. And if I just take things one step at a time, I can probably do a lot more. And so doing this podcasting, getting to my friends better, finding a way to tell these stories that I think deserve to be out there, but I don't hear enough of them has been really great. And I hope to build a bigger audience over time. One thing that I haven't really done at all is I haven't done any marketing. All the marketing I've done has been organic and earned. And I haven't really pushed it. I haven't put too much time into marketing. So probably during the next few weeks, I might go back and try to do some more marketing, cut some promos, or do something where I can get the podcast onto the world. Because I do believe that with the episodes that I have, they're quite evergreen. I think people will listen to them, and each and every episode, you will take something away from the guests that I have. Because I put thought into making sure that the guests are representative of a diverse range of experience, roles, and backgrounds, right? You'll see that even though some of my guests, you'll think that, oh, it's a lot of Asians, but there's East Asians, South Asians, Southeast Asians, male, female. I have writers, actors, directors, producers, music folks, film folks, comic book folks, like... VCs, entrepreneurs, people who are not Asian, right? Because that's not the goal. My goal is that there's so much richness and beauty in the world. Why do we get caught up in the race of it all? I know why, right? But I think it's absurd. And so I want to prove why that's absurd. And the way that I know how is just by putting a mic on and having folks share their story and realizing that we all have so much in common, but that we are also also unique. So it is a com- incumbent among us to all talk and share our stories. And as I get to that, I guess some of the misconceptions and some of the things that over time I want to fight through that I see that, you know, bother me are, let me just list a few of them, right? Um, One thing is just the stereotypes of Asians. And I think the whole race of it all, again, it becomes such a thing. The conversation gets so off 
the point. And I'll link into this in the show notes, but I read a great article written on Hyphen Magazine. It's available online, so I'll link to it. And the title of the article is Dear Non-Asian Writer, and it's by Stacy Lee. And here Stacy talks about she's addressing kind of a letter to a non-Asian writer saying that, you know, it's great that non-Asian writers want to have Asian writers in their book or in their stories, but here are a few, few things to watch out for. The way that Stacy puts it is she says things that push Stacy's buttons, and I think I can really relate to a lot of them, and these are things that are stereotyped about Asians that are not accurate. If you think about just the number of things, just the number of Asians, Asians are 60% of the world population. So 60% of 7 billion people, right? So that's 4 billion plus. So there are as much diversity in Asians as you can imagine, just because of those sheer numbers. So why is it that in Western media in particular, we see these stereotypes? So amongst AC stereotypes, as she talks about, Asian women who are submissive, weak, really aggressive, exotic, um, she says, have magic vaginas, are overly sexualized, quiet, tiger, dragon ladies, prostitutes, fixated on our looks, submissive, dolls, bad drivers, gold diggers, concubines, fixated on shoes, backstabbing, geishas, nerds, tragic heroines who might want to kill themselves when their lovers don't return to them. Well, it's really interesting because I would say that's quite a number of different roles, but what is there is that they're all quite, I would say there's a quality about each of those that are quite, not just tragic, but dark, and they're not the heroes, right? It's from the viewpoint of someone else. So what it is it exists in the world is that there are Asian, Asian American women who are doing amazing things, right? And real folks that we know about in real life, like Grace Lee Boggs, and there's just so many, right? That we, it's, it's interesting why that the depictions are just this and not a lot of other things, right? Because if you look at stories in Asia, there's much more timbre and complexity to the roles. So why is there this stereotype? And, you know, there are similar stereotypes that uh, apply for Asian, Asian American men, right, in Western media, and about Asian Americans in general, right, this whole model minority overachieving kind of thing. So much of depiction of Asians and Chinese are about Chinatown, right? And so, yeah, just a lot of things. And maybe I'm rambling here, but I believe it is necessary to show and to get the stories out that there is much more to this. And these stereotypes that have been held by American society about Asians and Asian Americans need to change because... They are just that. They are caricatures. They are stereotypes. And we can do a lot better. And this brings me to another point, which is about coverage of China in general. And that's 
China in a whole range of things, right? So China and Asia, I would say, even Japan, how Korea is depicted, Vietnam, you know, it's all a, when it's depicted by U.S. or Western media, it's a sort of either savior complex or there's vilification, fear. It's generally quite negative, even on the positive things. For example, if there's any sort of positive attributes of like K-pop, it's, it's, it, it's, there's, it's, 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 it's coded. There's certain things about it, right? Like it's taking over or, you know, there's comments about their looks or about some sort of exoticism or something that is just not the way you would cover non-Asian topics. Same thing with China and technology, right? How Hollywood covers China. Like at one end of the spectrum, Hollywood is fearful of China. China and its box office is going to take over. China apparently is censoring Hollywood movies, which is ridiculous, right? But at the other hand, it's like, well, China and its box office, they no longer want the Hollywood films. So how does that all make sense? It's just a whole vilification of things and othering. And even in China technology, right? It's either China technology companies are taking over, right? When they cover Tencent or TikTok or... Alibaba. And then on the other hand, it's like China's clamping down on billionaires. And it's just all very clickbaity. No nuance. Fear-mongering. And that's not the truth. I would say travel a bit. And why is everything so focused on these sensationalized headlines? It's very polarizing. It's very weaponized. So as a reader or as a consumer, as an audience of these stories, I encourage you to think about that. And if you have questions about what I'm saying, like you believed that China is just some communist, totally authoritative regime, I guess go visit, you know, because and also take a stop, take a view of what's going on in the rest of the world, right? In the US, in the UK, in France, and in other countries. I guess my question is, is there really a country that's perfect or the best? I don't know, you know? I do not know because I can point of many things wrong with many countries and many governments. And so there's that. And also even discussions and points of views from Asians and Asian American, right? One thing that I say a lot is that I believe that Asian Americans, since in terms of the American population, Asian Americans are just 7% of the population, to Asian Americans need to figure out and think about how to connect to Asia. It's not meaning that we are not American, Yes, we're American, of course. What a silly question to ask. But if you're thinking about what we can do as a human species and connecting with the world, why not connect with Asia? There's amazing things to experience, whether it's travel or food or just economic opportunities. Why not? Why, is that a, why does that have to be a bad thing? Why does it have to be a fearful 
interesting, right? Asian Americans are the most inclined to connect to Asia because we are Asian, right? You can't really hide that. You can't pretend that I can't pretend that I'm not Asian or Chinese, right? That would be silly. So yes, Asian Americans are perfect to be the ones who can help connect with Asia, right? And there's plenty of opportunities there. And I think one of the things that I notice is a lot of Asian Americans don't have that connection, whether it's they don't have the language or they've never been there or, you know, a million other different reasons. But I encourage Asians and Asian Americans to get to know one another and to figure out how to build those connections because they're so valuable, right? And why not? Why make it a bad thing? There's so much beauty and amazing things in this world. Why do we focus on the negative? I know that that's what sells in terms of media and that's what gets clicks, but only if we allow that to happen. So as a consumer, as an audience, as a ticket buyer, we have power. So maybe it doesn't feel that way, each and every one of us, but collectively we have so much power, right? If you look at, you know, what a group of folks did in terms of the fandom, right? Look at Sonic the Hedgehog. People spoke up and they're like, we don't like Sonic having teeth. And the producers and creators of that movie went back. And look at Justice League and what happened there with the Snyder Cut, right? Fans spoke up one by one. And it's not just in the tech world. Look at finance. Look what, what's going on with Wall Street bets right now. First it was GameStop. Now it's AMC and a whole bunch of other things. So the everything can be good and bad, right? There's a yin and a yang. There's a pro and a con. There's nothing that is just pure good or pure bad or maybe very few things. And so think about that. And so those are some of the things that I just wanted to talk about today. I know this probably sounds like a lot of rambling and I will try to do better and categorize things and figure out the story and the point that I want to make more clear. But this is hopefully something that gives you a little bit of food for thought. And if you want to read more, check out the show notes. If you have thoughts or reactions, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on DMs on social media and have a great week ahead. Like I said, I have about one or two more episodes in season one and then I'll be taking a break and then we'll be on to season two in the fall. Thanks so much for going on this ride with me. I really appreciate you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. Please help rate and review the podcast. Please tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is so important. I'm just getting started. So I don't have some budget to spend on the marketing. So word of mouth is what I have. And you can help so much even if it's just telling one friend. If you told one friend, that would mean the world to me. Thanks, and I will see you next week. Take care.